Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at Talk 90 My co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me on the internet at jadeoxadrose, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we have a guest. Welcome back, Bella. Hi, I have the voice for silent film and a face for radio. I'm Bella. (laughs) (laughs) You're too unkind to yourself. You're stunning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I had a whole uh, uh, discussion in my Discord about how to do an intro because everybody thought the last one was funny. So I had to, like, I couldn't come up with anything on my own. So I outsourced it. <laughs> yeah, no, solid. Good, good. Uh, we're talking about book 49 today The Diversion, which is a Tobias book. Um, it is the last Tobias book. Uh, some book specific content warnings before we dive in, because there's a lot to talk about, um, are ableism, fear and trauma around abandonment, brutal violence being done to and by the children, like even more so than usual. Yeah. Uh, there's some gruesome. Yeah, there's a reason we added it to the content warnings, like specifically, <laughs> like it, it dials up a notch. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, Scenes of civilian peril, uh, harassment of a disabled individual, and magical curing of disability. Uh, uh, today's ghostwriter is Lisa Harkrader, who did 44, the... Uh, one with the kangaroos. The, the one with the kangaroos. Was it the unexpected? Whatever. Who cares? That sounds right. <laughs> um, the one with the kangaroos. Uh, and will do 51. Um, which is a Marco book, I believe. Um, yeah. Damn, so, so they I have was... ghostwriters until, the, like, the last one? They have ghostwriters until the last two. Damn. Yeah. Fuck you, Scholastic. <laughs> um, so I was intrigued as to why Bella wanted to come on from this specific book, uh, given that uh, we all know how she feels about Jake. Um, and this being a Tobias book. And then I re- got to the part of the book that really expressly concerns Jake. And I was like, ah, cool. <laughs> that might be why then. Well, partly. I'd, I'd be intrigued. Mm-hmm. But also, this was one of those books that has literally stuck with me my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, just, spoiler alert, shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, like, honestly, really, truly, I feel like this book started my, like, doomsday paranoia. Mm. Like, if shit hits the fan in my life, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What's my escape plan? Mm-hmm. Which I feel like at this point in the war, they should have had an escape plan ready, but we'll get into that. <laughs> mm. I suppose it's one of those things where... I feel fairly, as opposed to some of the times where the writers rely on it. Uh, the fact that they're children, mm-hmm. mm, yeah. I feel like long-term consequences or long-term planning, when you're so focused on the immediate survival and putting out fires as they happen, it can be hard to conceive of the worst-case scenario and how to plan for it when you're just trying to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Um Especially when they're doing keeping stuff from their parents and they're having to bring their parents in. It's sort of like, I do not want to think about the day where we have to do that. And oh, look, here it is. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as Jade just uh, mentioned, the kind of crux of this book is the Yerks finally find out who they are. Um, we'll get into how, the hows and whys of it, uh, but that, that is the core conflict. Well, it is the main conflict 
the core the inciting incident the inciting incident um because it turns out that uh, uh in the process of identifying who the animorphs are the yurks also identify tobias's biological mother lauren um and that sends tobias for a loop uh for reasons we will get into um and uh, you know he's dealing with that while the others are dealing with well he's also everyone has to worry about now getting their parents out including tobias and he didn't even think he had a parent so mm-hmm. um uh shit goes poorly uh as it is wont to do um but there's some good stuff in here uh with mm. regards to um, yeah, considering how, like, ugly, distressing and, like, just how hard this book goes, it's an incredibly enjoyable, again, feels the mm-hmm. wrong word, which is why we have an enjoyability slash satisfaction rating. Uh, this book is incredibly good. Mm-hmm. Um, like, incredibly good. There are very few in the way of missteps that I caught um, and no moments of characterization that made me go, hmm. Uh, anything that I maybe gave me pause, like remember these are children, uh, mm-hmm. these are children traumatized children specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't make any notes reading this. I was like <laughs> in it. I was locked in. I was flicking between uh, our notes document to check uh, if I'd missed anything that uh, Daniela Bella had highlighted. And other than that, I was like, mm, no, I'm just reading this. Uh, this is some good shit. Um, yeah, there were a few times that I had to go back and was like, okay, no, bitch, you're taking notes. Like, <laughs> stop getting so sucked in. Yeah. Yeah. But um, for the first time in a long time, even though we're in Tobias's perspective for this story, who is so introspective and with especially good reason for in this in this book, the animals really feel like a team in a way that they haven't felt in a while in the books. Mm-hmm. Like where characters have been isolated from the others to have mm-hmm. whatever story they're having. Mm-hmm. Here very much feels like these kids are here for each other. Mm-hmm. Like not just as the team that are fighting a war, but the way like there are numerous occasions of them all coming through for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a little bit choked up at a couple of places because, um, look, I'm a found family slut. I'm always here for found family. And when, like, somebody thinks all is lost and then their friends show up to help, I'm there just like, oh, no, <laughs> it's perfect. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a so, so it's just getting to see them working as a group. Mm-hmm. And the group dynamic working how it's meant to, even when shit gets bad. Like, mm-hmm. even with all the horrible stuff that happens in this book, they all make it out. Mm-hmm. Like, they, as much as they can have a victory, for the most part, they do. And it's, it feels like something we've been missing. And I kind of hate that it's okay. The shit's really hit the fan. Think everything's dialed up. The fire's under their asses. So now they have to bind together against it. It mm-hmm. sucks that it takes that for it to happen, mm-hmm. but it's very satisfying to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. My son does incredibly well in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel like there are parallels to how much Marco gets physically injured and how good he is uh, as a character in the writing. Um, I might have to go back and do some kind of comparison. <laughs> um, some gnarly nol- thing happens to Marco in this book. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Christ. Sort of thing going like, this is a children's book. <laughs> Look, read it so that it sounds like it's out of a fucking horror movie. Like, with mm-hmm. how brutal it is. Mm-hmm. So. We should dive in. We should. Uh, Let's do it. Cancelled. You're cancelled. <laughs> 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 uh, 
So we open with Tobias. Um, there is once again, uh, a, a period of time where he's been having trouble eating. Um, and this time it's not just because of, uh, some intense, uh, mental, hmm, what would you call book 23? I don't even know. Intense hallucinations? This is, this is less trauma-induced and more environmentally yeah. produced. Yeah. Like, the last one, he had another hawk encroaching on his territory, and that made things hard, and then he also was dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, in this one, it's more just, there's a drought, um, and pickings are slim. Uh, and so he's been having trouble eating. We had this actually mentioned in the last book, when Rachel was like weirdly worried that he would take the rat out of a trap out of the trash. Um, which like, let him eat the rat. It was, it's fresh. Uh, whatever. Um, but, uh, he misses a rat, uh, because there's a six foot rattlesnake in his meadow. <laughs> That, uh, that takes this mouse out before he can get it. Um, and he's like, all right, well, fuck that. Uh, guess I won't eat today. That's fine. <laughs> we get the usual kind of, uh, description of what's going on in the war. Um, and then we get, uh, an eagle coming to him carrying a McDonald's, uh, paper bag. Um, Rachel is bringing him food. Uh, and it's a very cute date. He, like, she, she's bought two Big Mac, uh, combos and he, uh, he eats one of the patties of the Big Mac to, to fill the hawk, um, and, uh, then morphs to human so that he can actually eat the meal with her. Um, it's pretty adorable. Uh, and, uh, they have a nice date, but Rachel's like, uh, we can't linger really because Jake's, uh, Cassie actually has called a meeting at the barn. Um, which <clears throat> has, has, has that been like officially, uh, Oh, fuck, what is the word? Established that mm -hmm. like you have to eat in your body because I feel like they've eaten in morph before and then morph back to human and we're no longer hungry. Uh, no. No, you have to eat in your own body. Um, like, it makes sense I that hunger could be sated for a while, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's your own body that's doing like the burning the calories and stuff to do the effort of a morph though mm -hmm. the psychological factor of it could play into it as well mm -hmm. I, yeah i feel like you're you are right i think i remember them was it the one in the cold where they had to like yeah. be morphed all the time to stay I think alive so. yeah um I think that might have been a special case because they were morphed all the time. Mm, maybe. But I don't know. And they oh, and they were expending a whole lot of energy just trying to stay warm. So maybe that had something to do with it. Um, to be fair, yeah, though, these books one. have occasionally lapsed in their consistency yes. with regards to... That's fair. To that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I think it makes the most sense to me if a morph can't physically feed your original body. Um, because anything you eat in the morph is going to go out into Z space and just hang out there. Uh, which brings up a whole other bunch, bunch of questions, but yeah, there's just, there's, <laughs> <laughs> the, the more you try to reason it, the more it just doesn't make any sense. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so there they have this meeting at the barn. Um, and, uh, immediately, we know shit's really bad. Um, 
because uh, some yurks broke into the gardens, specifically, and stole blood samples. Tiger, elephant, eagle, rhino, and grizzly, gorilla, and and wolf. Uh, They showed no interest in any other animals, and they went fucking nuts when the gardens was like, yeah, we don't have red-tailed hawk blood. We... They're not in danger. We don't have them at the zoo. Why would we have hawk blood? Um, so, you know, ominous that these are their battle morphs that they have, uh, that they're collecting blood samples of. Um, I do want to give a shout because this feels like the smartest plan Visawad has had in a yeah. long ass time. Uh-huh. Like, this yeah. is actually smart. Uh-huh. I wonder who actually suggested it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he didn't think of it. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, but also, he, has has that been established too? That like the DNA is stored in the blood? Because I yeah. remember the mosquito book. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> "Oh, if we can suck up his blood as mosquitoes, then can we can somehow acquire his DNA through?" Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how that was supposed but, to work yeah. either. They didn't. That didn't make any fucking sense. But yes, in but that it, book, they did talk about how the you know DNA in is stored in their blood. Yeah, I will okay. say like the 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 science of this one doesn't make me go mm, in the way yeah. that some of the others have because the fact that they're looking, they're getting these samples to compare directly mm-hmm. to human blood samples because it makes sense. Like the way the morphing technology is described is that you acquire the DNA. So yeah. it makes sense that the code would be just sitting in there ready mm-hmm. to be pulled on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and this and feels so smart. I I just love yeah. this as a plot device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is... Uh, uh, yeah, because multiple times in the books they talk about, oh yeah, I have xyz dna swimming in my veins like that's a really common metaphor they or okay it's not a metaphor because they mean it literally but um (sighs) it's it's pretty consistent with how they talk about it but anyway i'll allow it this (laughs) time there is there is stuff about like and i am not a biologist um but like there's a lot of information stored on like the chromosomes and stuff and there is but there is it's not like densely packed with information there is in theory mm-hmm. room for more because mm-hmm. like obviously it's a poor analogy but there are people exi- who have like more than the base number of the typical number of chromosomes just as mm-hmm. humans walking around mm-hmm. so the human body can accommodate extra strands of dna and when you start getting down to the fact that actually on a dna level we're not that far from actually quite a lot of animals mm-hmm. Um, like you share a certain amount of DNA with a banana, like, and I just, I like the notion. It's just like, just changing out like odd little pieces, like one of those rotating lock combination locks. And you just have to <laughs> click through the various DNAs until, the gene, <laughs> until you've got the double helix showing the right combo. And that's then you clever. go elephant or whatever. Yeah. I like that. That's a, that's a clever image. Um, uh, this is especially ominous because also the sharing is sponsoring a huge blood drive. Uh, and Cassie says, uh, it, it seems like the Yerks are suddenly interested in DNA, uh, and they're searching for humans with strands of animal DNA in their blood. Okay, um, I do have to say, cause this bugged me. Can you donate blood under the age of 17 in the, in the US? Yes. Yeah. And you, you have to you, be seven. You have to be 17 here. That's the youngest they'll let you donate blood, unless it's like special circumstances. Otherwise, you can't just donate blood. I think... So I, I found I that very... Have, I'm like, really? Parental permission. Really? But um, their bodies are so small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How much blood yeah. can you take out of a kid before they pass out? I know I donated in high school, and... Hmm. Uh, I didn't turn 18 until I graduated <coughs> high school. So, yeah, I also remember my high school having blood drives. But I think it might have been an, an only seniors could do it. So it might be mm. 17. Um, 
I just the idea of these thirteen year olds slash fourteen year olds talking mm-hmm. about like giving blood is one thing to like because I went back and double like do they mean having blood taken like for tests at the doctors? Mm-hmm. But no, they're talking about giving blood, and I'm like, mm-hmm. man, yeah. Well, it 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 makes sense because this is not technically what the Yerks are doing, um, and also. Sure. And also, the Yurks aren't necessarily looking for literal children. That is Alright, so I just googled it. Uh, in most states, you have to be 17 or 16 with parental consent. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Okay, that um, makes me feel better. Yeah. Some of these kids are turning 16 at this point. Um, Jesus Christ. So, they could theoretically donate. Um if, like, Jake's family decided, hey, we're going to have a big blood donation thing to help support Tom because we're desperately trying to hold our family together because our <laughs> sons just disappear. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Ow. Uh, <laughs> the Yaks are the only ones out for blood today. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel very attacked right now. It's normally just me getting attacked. I'm sorry. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) But they um, all immediately are aware, like, how bad this is. And I like that Cassie's the one that arguably put it together because although Mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. like, veterinarian stuff, it's still, like, biology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, the implications are going to be, like, maybe quicker for her to cotton on to because of her area of focus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um. All the kids rapidly think, like, has anyone given any blood since we started acquiring morphs? So, like, quick, (laughs) rack your brains for the past three years and (laughs) uh, have you given blood at all or uh, had blood taken at, like, a doctor? And Rachel's like, oh, my mom did haul me to the doctor when I had the fucking yam foot, the andalite flu. Um... So, they may have taken blood there. I was really kind of out of it. Uh, And they're like, well, but that wouldn't, that sample wouldn't still be around, which it almost certainly would not. Um, But they're not willing to take the chance on that uh, because it literally, this is, this is a worst case scenario. Um, so I suppose uh, notes to all you uh, current day people playing idiot teenagers with a death wish. Um, don't sign up to Ancestry and stuff like that because <laughs> they have weeks. no. Uh-huh. But they have no obligation to not sell your DNA data. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of information about people that is currently on file. Uh, yep. That people have willingly given. Yep. Like uh. it's like the the DNA database, a um, little bit of uh, criminal psychology, uh, not uh, a little bit of forensics. Like if you mm. have to give a blood sample or whatever to exclude you from a criminal investigation, they keep that information. Oh, yeah. you're mm-hmm. then in the system. Mm-hmm. So for all like they're like, oh, well, if it's a doctor's thing, they probably wouldn't have kept it. Mm-hmm. Well, they probably, like, they... They, they don't, do have like, a line about the data from the blood sample. It yeah, is specified there. They probably have the I mean, data from the blood children. sample, but also eh. they're not sequencing the blood when they do that. Mm. You know? True. Like, they're they're looking for specific things. The tests they're running are not Yeah, they're not, like, wide-spectrum analysis. Yeah. They're, like, They're looking for, for an infection. Um, so... You know, they may have good paranoia fuel. Yeah. And like, it would be, it would be like, if anything was different about their blood, that could have done something, but also that would have thrown red flags then. Um, true. So, um, they would have, this is not nitpicking. This is Mm -hmm. fun discussion about Mm -hmm. the implications. Mm -hmm. Not, yeah. This doesn't seem right. I'm just like, hmm, going to get into the weeds about the specifics. 
Yes. Uh, let's not think about how sad this is. Um. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, who let the emotional neurotypicals have a podcast? <laughs> We're going to have thoughts and emotions about everything. <laughs> feelings. Uh, and so basically they're like, all right, look, the Yerks don't know we're human right now. They only suspect if we go in and just smash and grab all of this de- data, then they will know that we're human because we will have just confirmed it. Like Andalites would have had no reason to do that. Um, and Rachel's like, yeah, but it's better that they know we're human general than human specific, um, or, you know, letting them continue to look until they find us. Like, we can't allow that. And Jake's like, all right, well, we'll take the middle option. We'll go get some information first and then figure out what we want to do. Um... This plan is excellent that they have, which is Axe and Marco are tasked with, okay, what you need to do is hack into every like blood bank and stuff because the one with security is going to be the one that you then pay attention to because a normal blood bank's not going to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And just like as a theory, as a process of elimination, I think it's very slick. Mm -hmm. Uh, They crack jokes about it. it. It's such a smart idea. Like, okay, what does a blood bank have to hide? Right. So. Um, and it's, it's also just like, you know, a blood bank may have like regular human level high security, but it's not going to have mm. yerk level yerk high security. security. Yeah. And, you know, it occurs to me just in this moment, how much we see in this book, the kids leaning into their specialties, mm-hmm. how much it's Cassie is the empath with her understanding about animals and biology. Rachel kicks ass in this book, mm-hmm. like even more so than usual like Tobias's powers of observation and him noticing everything mm-hmm. Axe doing the hacking and Marco like putting stuff together and then Jake making the calls mm-hmm. and feeling like he's failed as leader as the book goes on but it's just it's just striking me now how much we see them excelling in each of the things that they do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so Tobias is like, all right, well, Axe and Mark are going to find the blood bank. Jake will call another meeting. We'll inf- infiltrate the place, destroy any incriminating information. Good guys win and go home. Uh, so they won't need me for a little while. So I'm going to go out and see if I can find some food. Um, and he muses, uh, <laughs> he muses on it, um, uh, in just the, the, the worst, most, Heartbreaking way. Um, in the meantime, I had other things to worry about, like how to eat without being eaten. Not that I'd ever actually starve. Rachel would see to that. But what self-respecting hawk lets his girlfriend feed him, lets her buy vitamin drops for him at PetSmart, lets her fix a spot in her sock drawer so he has a cozy spot to sleep on dark and stormy nights? A hawk shouldn't wake up smelling like dryer sheets. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad she cares, and I'm glad it's Rachel. But she shouldn't have to do all that. I took care of myself as a human. I can take care of myself as a hawk. Like, hey, Tobias, my son. (laughs) Hey, buddy. (laughs) Hey, buddy. (laughs) You're a child, love. No. (laughs) No. 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 You, You shouldn't have had to take care of yourself as a human. Uh, and it's debatable whether you did that very well or not, because you're a little <laughs> child, and you can only do it so well. Uh, you deserve more than the bare minimum. Uh. And again, it's more evidence of him berating himself for not being good enough at being a hawk and not being good mm-hmm. enough at being a human. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, we saw like comments about, like, we get a couple of instances from him just like, well, I need to be like, have the date. Um, we get a line later about a real boy would have kissed Rachel goodbye mm-hmm. and things like that. And just that his duality and how he feels. Uh, hey, I'm sure this will speak to plenty of people uh, for in various ways about just like being caught between two things and feeling like a failure at both. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting right here. 
Joe <laughs> points itself. <laughs> like all binaries are bullshit. <laughs> Let it be known. Um, but all the talk of families has got Tobias. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't say as such, but it's like re- our outside perspective as the reader. Mm-hmm. Like as it's talk about the implications of of everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so sad about it. But we get him musing about his life pre-Animorphs. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a good thing actually about him being predator versus being prey in the mm-hmm. opening chapter as well. Mm-hmm. Like how as a kid as a hu- as a human he was used to being prey, but even when he was prey, he got to eat because he was on the free lunch program mm-hmm. at school. Mm-hmm. And we just again that duality pulling back and forth. But yeah. uh I don't know how much time we've spent before him musing about uh the fact that you know Elfangor is his father. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that little, some tiny detail. And because <laughs> Tobias has problems with self-loathing because abandonment and abuse, mm-hmm. um, thinking like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if Elfangor knew I was his son or not. Um, I'm trying not to associate with a thick I think I've read and what is canon. Uh, um, like any kid who had been there would have got given the, Morphin mm-hmm, powers, mm-hmm. just utterly discounting himself, mm-hmm. uh, and it it hurts because he's thinking about the fact that his mum left him. Right, um, his dad that he now knows his stepdad. Um, his dad died, and his mum left, and his aunt would say that she was uh, crazy, mm-hmm. and that's why they that she dumped Tobias on her, uh, his aunt being uh, Lauren's sister. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's uh, emphasized here that that's... His aunt would tell him this over and over and over again. Like, he, on a kind of bone-deep level, has internalized this idea that... His mother has abandoned him on purpose. Yeah, that um, his mother chose to leave him. Mm-hmm. And uh, later, he had he thinks about some of the like fantasies that he used to create about like why she would have had to do that. Like maybe she was in witness protection program or something like that, and she had to leave him. Um, but in the end, those are fantasies for him, and the the pessimistic, self-loathing boy that he is would have internalized this idea of, even my mother doesn't want me. Um, and that fucked him up really badly. As it would. Uh... And, you know, we, we see the repercussions of that to, to, you know, to the present for him. It's, he continues to think that he's unwanted in every situation that he's in. Uh, and he's constantly trying to prove himself, uh, so that he is worth keeping around. Um, and that's part of why he does fucking <laughs> dumbass shit like take on a helicopter by his fucking self um because it doesn't matter that he wins to be fair it doesn't matter that he he wins did do it uh um because you know he thinks that he has to do this kind of thing in order to to be worth keeping around and that only everybody only tolerates him and you know rachel he he seems to have accepted that Rachel isn't doing what she does out of pity, which, thank fucking God, because this boy, uh, but he still thinks the, everyone else pities him, um, and, uh, refuses to 
accept any help that's given out of pity. And that's part of why he has this whole complex about being a good hawk. Is like, well, I got myself stuck in this body, possibly on purpose, uh, because my home life was so shitty, and I'm not even good at it. Like... Possibly on purpose, or definitely on purpose? Eh, it's... In, in 43, it is... It's not said directly, it's still kind of questioned, but it, it's... He could have made more of an attempt not to be, I think. Yeah. Like, the yes. circumstances yeah. maybe forced his hand, but also he could have fought harder against them. Yes. If he'd wanted to. Mm-hmm. The whole thing about, like, our the human body's ability to do things to keep us alive and going and mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, his willingness to put himself... I'm just thinking about the scene with Lauren later uh, mm-hmm. with the cube and him just like... And everyone's like, Tobias, you mm-hmm. need to book it. And he's like seeing it through. Mm-hmm. And I'm just... This child. And I mm-hmm. have to... It's not me trying to minimize the the characters by referring to them as children. Um, yes, they are factually children, but I think we, we've chatted about this before, but as... Mm-hmm we get older as people like it's one thing to read i imagine sorry Mm -hmm. read these as a kid people your own age going through it empathizing with them being like oh god that would be so hard Mm -hmm. um and for like a lot of like kids living in like foster care and those sorts of situations reading like tobias is like oh i get it i know Mm -hmm. what that feels like uh as an adult seeing a child go through it it's heartbreaking Mm mm-hmm it's like, you should not have to have these kinds of thoughts. Yes. You should not have to be dealing with this. You should mm-hmm. not. Uh, just, mm-hmm. uh. And it just makes me really hate his aunt and uncle even more. Oh, yeah. Um, no, they're trash. The many, the, yeah, <laughs> the many. Mar- I think he describes his aunt as like many married or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like. I'm not excusing the uncle here, to be clear, but alcoholism is a fucking disease. It's a shitty thing to deal with. Yes, it's a shitty thing to go through. And even I feel like Tobias has said in previous books, it was better to be with his uncle because he could like leave mm-hmm. and be ignored. Whereas the what he the treatment of his aunt to him, it's less passive neglect. And more active abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both bad, but different things. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a gesture like I'm fucking waving in a plane to land. There's this cool detail as he's flying around looking for something else to eat. He ends up sort of flying over a housing development that's popped up near his meadow. And mm-hmm. there's this nice little parallel about his meadow being in pre, in, like for him being effectively forced out of his meadow. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way the war is closing in on the kids. Mm-hmm. It's just like this neat little parallel. Um, but he tries to chase like a little garden snake and he makes the choice to follow it over a garden and some hunting fan just starts taking shots at him with an arrow with a bow and arrow mm-hmm. um and he Which, like who the fuck does that i mean ask I, the person that literally shot with a shotgun the red-tailed hawk that i have at school jesus who the fuck like, does that people fucking suck uh and this person i assume is an active like person that does hunting because the first shot like Tobias describes feeling the feathers like the fletching on the arrow mm-hmm. pass through his edge of his wings like mm-hmm. through the feathers mm-hmm. like that's a good shot yeah yeah and he's he's got hunting tips on them and he's like wearing camo pants uh you know some kind mm. of person who puts way 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 too much mm. stock in uh their hunting mm. prowess also somebody that chose to like live like right on the edge of a town where mm-hmm. there is like fields and stuff to go do the thing mm-hmm. yeah 
Uh, but the answer to who um, does that is way too many people. I mean, that that's fair. To me, though, like, I would understand if he was, like, you know, a dove or, I don't know, something else that people actually, like, hunt pheasant i think is a thing that people i don't mm-hmm. i don't I, I don't hunt i'm yep. not pheasant I'm too or gay grouse. for that like yep. a game a game bird but like bitch what kind of redneck is finna eat a hawk <laughs> assuming that they're like actually eating it and not just trophy killing yeah. because that's I mean, horrible it- you know the the most likely scenario that you would see with one of these is like uh, shooting at the hawk because you're afraid it's gonna like take your dog or your cat or your chickens or something fucking nonsense like that. Um, but you don't have to shoot to hit when you're doing that. You can just scare a bird off with noise if that is your concern. Right. Yeah, uh, you no. sure could. America, guns, yay, freedom, pew, pew, pew. Mm-hmm. I hate yeah. it here. Yeah, it's, uh, I have many opinions about this. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. Uh, right? We don't have time to get into that now. We'll do a special offshoot uh, side <laughs> episode where we just let Daniel have a little run. Uh, <laughs> but, um, the chapter does end with this line, my human brain was going to get my hawk body in big trouble one of these days. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Big foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, Tobias goes out to Axe's scoop. Um, it is this scene. The- mwah, mwah. <laughs> yeah, these these like boys. This trio. <laughs> the- Axe and Marco are effectively living together. Um, There's Marco this has basically exchange. I have to, I have to talk about this because I nearly lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> Tobias is like. Uh, talking about Rachel, it's just like, and Marco's like, you're so lucky to have someone like Rachel. I just have Axe, uh-huh. <laughs> Ax- who is looking at a picture of Eminem, an ad for Eminem's. And they're just like, oh, you want to swap? And I'm just like, mm, I know that's probably not what I intended, but just love my casual buy rep for Marco and Tobias. <laughs> just like, you just want to tra- <laughs> want to try? <laughs> and it, it was incredibly fucking funny. Yes. But getting to see these brilliant little moments of banter. Mm-hmm. I love that the book gives us these moments when so much of this is very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, that these real moments of the kids being a family for each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the notion that Axe has dedicated a part of the scoop for Marco. Yeah. And it's got a little covered section. So And like Marco's shit is all over the place where the scoop yeah. used to be tidy and the visual of Tobias perching on a CD tower. Like, Marco, yeah. why do you need a CD tower? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just um, good. It's so good. It's all very good. Um, they have found the, 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 place that is that is collecting the blood doing the the york place the thing they were looking for words um it's called midtown bioservices uh and <sighs> we do get <laughs> we get this reference uh where uh they're like, oh yeah, so we were we were looking around all these different places. Suddenly, we, we try to this one place, and it's like breaking into the CIA. And Axe is like, actually, it was way dif- more difficult than the CIA. The CIA was not that hard to get into. And Tobias is like, excuse me. <laughs> Marcus like, eh, don't worry about it. <laughs> but also, didn't that just happen like a few books ago? Why yeah, is he just, surprised? Just boyfriend things, I guess. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, You're I right. Think the, yeah, I think the sense is um, this is either a different incident or they just fucking mm. forgot, which... Yeah, there's there's the breaking into the CIA for fun. Because yeah. um, it says you the hacked act- into their computer one day for kicks. Hey, the yeah. more information we can gather, the better. Yeah. Um, but they but found the police... Get- Mm-hmm. I was just gonna. I we have this moment um, 
uh, with the joking about Marco and Tobias swapping places, uh, Tobias like, yeah, you make a pretty good bird of prey. And like Marco throws a TV guide at him. And Tobias then takes the opportunity to like shit on himself a little more by saying that Marco would actually be good at it because he mm-hmm. wouldn't have the hang-ups that he does. Mm-hmm. He would adjust because he's more of an opportunist. Mm-hmm. So, um, but Marco would now make that, himself, yeah, live by some glorified rule of the hunt. Um. But things are urgent enough that there's no going back to Cassie's barn. They're literally meeting the others at this place. Um, mm-hmm. A daylight mission on a Saturday might catch the Yerks off guard. Off guard, you know what I mean. As off guard as a Yerk ever gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get them flying over to uh, this place in Midtown, presumably. Um, mm. And wouldn't you know it, the circus is in town. Ooh, how uh, convenient. Unloading some elephants. Um, I do appreciate <clears throat> this fucking bit. Mark With Marco, so like, hey, how come nobody told me the circus was in town? Jake was afraid you'd try to join it. <laughs> Cackled. Um, <laughs> he then explains his joke a little bit, which is just peak neurodivergent. <laughs> yes, good. But just, I love the little friendly smack talk between Marco and Tobias. Mm-hmm. Um, but they meet up with the others, uh, talking about how they're going to get in because there's going to be Gleep biofeeder filters that they've already spotted. Uh, so this is where we're going to have our first diversion of the book uh, to uh, sort of like uh, break in. So there's a diversion and make the chance to break the control panel to deactivate the filter. Mm-hmm. Um so Rachel goes fucking elephant mm-hmm. and has just a great time. Um, again, <laughs> this one she's told like, yeah, after you've done the thing and in the confusion, morph back and wait patiently for the rest of us. Wait patiently. Right. She saluted him with her trunk, which is, uh, yeah, I can do that. Marco looked at me. She cannot do that. <laughs> and Tobias was like, no, probably not. Spoilers, she doesn't do that. She doesn't and do it, that. But it's also one of the best moments in the series, frankly, yeah. in terms of crowning moments of awesome, but we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Saves everybody um, else's ass. Does. Um, but the rest of the kids go flies. Jake mm. is disgusted because uh, everyone's enjoying the rotted food and everything. Um, mm. It's just funny as hell to me. Vada, just Rachel's opening gambit is throwing a dumpster into a wall. <laughs> um, you've made her a very happy pachyderm. Tobias says, like, it's been weeks since her last car stomping. <laughs> uh, she grabs a no parking sign, rips it out of the sidewalk, and throws it like a javelin to keep, uh, is it to keep the door open? Yeah. No, it's, it's when, when the controllers come out to confront her. She throws mm. it to take out the control panel for the Gleet biofilter that's on the inside. Just <laughs> queen. <laughs> yep. Uh, and as flies, everybody zips in and uh, Rachel uh, charges off down the street to go hang out with the fucking rest of the elephants and, in theory, follow the plan. Mm-hmm. So... They demorph, uh, they're in um, a supply, clo- uh, uh, like a janitorial closet. And we have this moment. <laughs> Marco demorphs. They're like, yo, Marco, you got a new morphing outfit. And it's like a little snug blue t shirt and bike shorts. And he, Tobias pulls her, just like, mm, does this remind you of anything? And Marco's like, yeah, it's why I don't want a bird. <laughs> and they realize that it's <laughs> the right color of the blue band Hawk Bajir. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like deeply unimpressed because they're all looking at him like it's lunch and like um, and Tobias is like we're looking at you like you're a giant armband um, but it's great because Cassie pulls up you know a casual utility knife a common thing to find <laughs> in a utility closet um, a duct tape um, I mean it's got utility in the name it does have utility in the name um, Marco makes a quip about um 
how nobody uh, how Cassie shouldn't look because the sight of his naked torso might make her do something uh, and how he's lethal at the beach and I do love that Cassie is struggling to control a grin like mm-hmm. none of us are immune to Marco's sense of humor as much as we might pretend otherwise <laughs> also um wasn't there like a few books ago I don't know I'm I'm very behind on the podcast I apologize kind of um didn't they learn how to like morph genes and stuff yeah why are they still in this i know maybe it's a more of a comfortable thing because like marco doesn't have to walk around like a person anymore because he's already Mm -hmm. maybe it takes less effort and that but you're right um but i also imagine he's the type of person that might get hey this is a cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) t-shirt yeah Um, that that's valid um but so they all cosplay as Vissa One's uh, lackeys by going court bajir and like taping these armbands on with the duct tape. Mm-hmm. Again, so smart. The kids get to be so on the ball this book. Mm-hmm. And Jake has this fucking moment. They find the obviously the control hub. It's guarded, and Jake full on channels. Vessel one energy by being like, yeah, no, it's a surprise inspection and doing all this like mocking laughter. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I put in my notes, I was like, good God, Jake can be scary. I love him so much. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he gets out to this guard because this guard is pointing dragon and he literally just pushes the dragon beam aside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, mm. I mean, that's that kind of confidence. Yeah, that I love. it's so good. It's like walking in somewhere with like those uh, reflective jackets on and a clipboard. Uh-huh. You can just uh-huh. get anywhere you want. Yep. Yep. That's this energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they bluff this guard like it's a surprise inspection. They tell the guard to get into the room because there's only one guard to get into the room with them. Uh, and as soon as he's in and they close the doors, they knock him out because, of course, they fucking do. Um, and, uh, Axe demorphs and goes over to the computers and starts to look at the data. Uh, and Axe is the like, detail of him, like, Jake, could I please not use a hawk with your hands? <laughs> They're not very good for this. <laughs> um, and they all see a, like, there's a bunch of green dots, which must be the blood collection sites, and there's an orange dot. Um, on this view screen and Axe, uh, he's in the middle of kind of getting the data, wiping the data, figuring out what the Yerks know when he kind of stops and he says, Prince Jake, we may be too late. Uh, they found a match. Axe studied the monitor. Yes, but I don't think the Yerks are aware of it yet. This file has not been accessed since the computer analyzed the data and it is only a partial match. Partial? Marco circled the computer bank. What does that mean? They either find animal DNA or they don't, right? Axe shook his head. This is very strange. It indicates a human who has significant family ties with one of the Andalite bandits. But the computer has not yet uncovered the identity of this Andalite bandit. Oh man, Jake. Cassie closed her eyes. We overlook something. Something huge. Our blood is all over the place. Every time we fight these creeps, we bleed. Traces of our human DNA is floating around in all that animal blood. All they have to do is scoop it up and wait for a match. Jake nodded. Or a partial match. Somebody in our family. He stared at Axe. Tom? No, Prince Jake. Marco leaned over Axe's shoulder. Uh, Tobias? He looked up at me. You may want to see this. I crossed to the computer. Axe moved aside so I could see the screen. And the name. Lauren. But that's my... I stopped. My mother. First name. Last name. Address. I stared at the screen. She lived only a few blocks from the three-room shack I'd shared with my uncle. An easy walk. One bus stop. I looked at the map, at the flashing orange light. My mother. The light represented my mother. Uh, and then the actual blue armband Hork-Bajir show up. Because of course they do. Um... And uh, a really fucking gnarly fight breaks out. Um, there's a human controller in who's kind of in charge, presumably a subvisor, who's in charge of the whole project, who's here with the blue band Hork-Bajir, 
Um, she's described as a granny, which is an <clears throat> image. Um, and Axe is telling, or Jake is telling Axe to quickly erase all the data, um, but he can't quite get it fast enough while Jake is trying to, like, bluff, um, this controller. Uh, uh, and it, the bluffing at this point isn't going well. Um, and Axe can't delete it fast enough before the human controller sees that they have a match. He doesn't see what the match is, but that they have one. Um, and things get very bad very quickly. Um, and then uh, a fight breaks out. Um, and Jake manages, he has a dragon bean, he manages to uh, <laughs> take out two hork right at, uh, in one go severing their legs at the knees um and then yeah, you know when we said a- this book gets a bit brutal with the violence uh-huh. um, i think i love that we have that moment of cassie like oh no they can use our families to uh-huh. get to us mm-hmm. and then all bets are off after expressly knocking out the hawk bajir guard before mm-hmm. or, or it might be human, but regardless and just knocking out that first guard yeah. Yeah, compared to how they then treat these yeah. controllers. Yeah. When we've seen for so long the kids actively try not to cause lethal harm. Well, not to hork mostly. Not to harm me. Mostly. But still, there is that effort made, uh-huh. mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, I would like to note, uh, this. these are a dozen blue band hork with this woman. Um, this is the cream of the crop. This is yeah. Vissa One's, like, <laughs> shock troops. And hey, uh, remember back in book seven when they faced a dozen, or was it, no, it was like, I don't know, seven? eight to ten, seven, hork and they were like, and it was a losing fight? <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, <laughs> Newsflash, it wasn't fine. It wasn't fine. Um, let's see, uh, Tobias basically guts one of the hork uh, another one, um, gets, like, impaled on his own tail blade, um, and then, uh, Marco is pinned between two blue bands. His beak had been ripped from his face and lay at his feet in a lake of blood. And also, one hork is holding him down and the other one is ready to slice his throat. Like, yeah. excuse me? <laughs> yeah, because there's a moment where Tobias is like, the fight's being handled, he could uh, destroy the computer. Right. Uh, and, so, and then he sees <clears throat> Marco like that. Yeah. Which, uh, if, mm-hmm. okay, this might be like a nitpicky, technical thing if one of these hork is holding marco from behind mm-hmm. why would marco not just like lean backwards you got blades going all down your spine they're i don't know that they're usually described as having blades on their spine and he also, also doesn't he, have he leverage is- I was like, he is suffering from quite a lot of blood loss, so maybe that is having an impact. Yeah. Mm. Also, we don't know how quickly that's happening. It's obviously we're just in the moment of it being mm-hmm. this mo of of Tobias noticing it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I'll allow it, but I'm not happy about <laughs> it. Uh, Tobias goes to rescue gracious. Marco. <laughs> Tobias goes to rescue Marco. This is the point where he literally impales another hork head on that other hork own tail. Um, Mm -hmm. I like that the rescue of Marco is like him charging in and telling Marco to kick at just the right Mm -hmm. moment as well. Mm -hmm. Like, again, it's that the group working together. It isn't Mm -hmm. just uh, Tobias doing the trick we've seen a hundred times before that is effective, don't get me wrong. Like a warlock and Eldritch Blast. You dive down and attack the face with talons. It's what you do. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it isn't a savior moment. It's a 
gives Marco the opportunity. Yeah. Um, but uh, even getting Marco out of that immediate danger, uh, they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. And Marco is fading fast. Yeah. Um, they're beginning to try to get out. Um, Axe is 30 seconds from breaking the security code and being able to delete all the data. Um, but they don't have that kind of time anymore. Uh, Jake calls for the retreat. Um, but the guard that got them in isn't getting them back out again, uh, because the human controller was very smart and took the precaution of deleting that guard's, uh, uh, security clearance from the database before they entered the room. Uh, so I they love are competent bad guys. I'm sorry. I know. I know they're the bad guys, but I just appreciate it. Yep. Uh, they are trapped. Uh, except. <laughs> two thick middle prongs erupt through the doors Rachel is here as a grizzly driving a forklift through the doors <laughs> I love her <laughs> I love her so much <laughs> um, but they all bail uh, don't Marco- think of it as stolen property, Rachel says. I'm regarding the whole think of it as a really big key. <laughs> <laughs> She's so fucking funny. Yeah. Ah. Uh, with this backup, they're able to kind of uh, begin their retreat properly. Um, they pull Marco out. They're having to basically carry Marco. Um, and. They're running. Jake tells Marco to demorph, and Marco's like, I can't. They'll see me. And Jake's like, It doesn't matter anymore because it doesn't. The Yerks know that they're human. They know they have a match, and the Animorphs weren't able to delete their data. So they know. Um, but also, Marco's already technically dead, so it double doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if Marco's alive and people see Marco, then they can very. If anyone recognizes Marco, they can very easily, like, super quickly make the jump to the others. Um, whereas, uh, not necessarily through, like, if they have to go through the data, they just know that their method is working and they could continue to, to work that way. But Marco's demorphing. Um, they're, the Animorphs are running. They they basically just go out through this giant hole that Rachel has made with the forklift. Um, and uh, Rachel heaves a dumpster dumpster in front of the doors. The kids continue to run. They get into an alleyway. They're morphing and demorphing as fast as fucking possible. Um, there's a moment when it looks like Rachel, Cassie, and Jake don't morph fast enough. Um, but they do, they get out, um, and, uh, everyone escapes and everyone kind of just goes separate ways and circles back towards the barn. Um, Tobias on his way back towards the barn, um, is circling. He's taking the long way. Because he knows where he wants to go, but his wings won't fly him there. I was Tobias the bird boy, the Nothlet who devoured live mice and battled evil aliens. I'd stolen Yurk spacecraft, raided Yurk strongholds, and nearly gotten myself adopted by a Yurk visser. I'd been stabbed and burned and mangled and tortured, and only moments ago got the crap beat out of me by hork that should be working for the WWF. But I couldn't face my mother couldn't even face the roof of her house. You want pathetic? All those years with my aunt and uncle, no matter what they said about her, I knew, knew that my mother loved me. She wanted me, wanted to take care of me, but for some reason she couldn't. I invented reasons for her. Maybe she'd been wrongfully imprisoned by some tyrannical foreign government. Maybe she'd been shipwrecked on a deserted island. Maybe she'd been relocated in the witness protection program. Maybe I'd been relocated in the witness protection program. But not once, not one single time, did I imagine she lived eight blocks from me. 
that she passed my house every single day and kept going.